For the next 60 minutes, three amazing and high-profile guests take time out of their schedule, out of their day, out of their lives to get on here and talk with me, to you, the listeners, to you, the members, to you, the Boone community, about what it means to continue to move forward toward positive, authentic change. What this isn't, this isn't a public comparison to nearby affiliates. This is not a political statement. This is not about votes in November. This is not getting people on here to shame CrossFit or Greg Glassman. What this is, this is a statement. We aren't riding coattails. We aren't going against methodology that means a lot to us. We aren't against the community of CrossFit. And we aren't using social injustice to create a budget cut by dropping a $3,000 affiliation. In fact, it's not even about being under the banner or not being under the banner anymore. It's about what is the next step forward. And these guests today helped me talk about that. Take some time out of your day to listen, appreciate, digest, and then write down what you're going to do from your platform to do the next right thing, the Rev 5 way. Uh, here we go. Two years ago, I was hiking during an impromptu camping trip, and the organizer of that trip asked me a question. He said, you can tell me your IQ. You can tell me your intelligence quotient. But have you ever considered your legacy quotient? What impact will you have truly had when you're gone? And that question two years ago to today still sticks with me. And I'll tell you guys, the audience, uh, you guys, the guest, that I had this thing scripted out. I rehearsed it. And I'm, I'm telling you, I sounded pretty good, too. Um, and then I was watching John's Instagram account, the Make Watch Great Again. And the comments, some of the stuff that comes back and the way he navigates through it, it, it actually just kind of got me mad. And literally about 30 minutes ago, I wiped my whiteboard and I started over. So the guests don't know that. That's what they're getting into. But uh, so this is authentic. This is this is unplanned. And the reason I did was because one word kept coming back and I'm going to drive that home in a minute. So guests, thank you guys for taking time. I know you're busy and uh, this is a big deal for me and our little town. It's a big deal that you found time to do it. Um. Yeah, I didn't want to be beige, and you guys are too big a deal to have answering questions for us for this to be beige. So instead, I, uh, I want to lead off with a quote from the other night from Ben Bergeron that kind of sets the stage for what, what I want to talk to you about. And he said, silence is the enemy. To continue to stay quiet, being in the middle is not helping. This isn't about picking sides. And as I reached out to each of you guys, just cold call, I told each of you that this, I did not want you on here to help me defend the decision to affiliate or not de-affiliate or to de-affiliate or not affiliate. That was not it. This was not to try to convince people's minds that in our town have decided to remain on the fence. Like that was not what this is about. This was about continuing to lead forward and to spur positive change. And I feel like our little town and our little gym is a great place for that to start. So introductions, rough introductions. Toussaint is currently serving as the deputy general counsel 
at Appalachian State. Um, Toussaint's been teaching in the field for a number of years at the university level. Uh, I met Toussaint teaching at UNCC, what, two, maybe seven, eight years ago, yeah. at least. Sounds about right. Sounds about Sounds right. Sounds about right. So, um, and um, so on top of that, he's done some little things like uh, motivational speaking. I believe there was a Fortune 500 CEO engagement in there. Yeah, but maybe, I, <laughs> maybe so maybe little, a, I can't even remember that thing. Right, right, right. right. But maybe of most popularity to a lot of people was um, during the riots in Charlotte a couple of years ago. If you went on CNN, two was the man that you saw on the TV that was standing in between the police and the protesters, the police and the rioters in his button down shirt and his tie with hands on both parties, literally trying to talk sense into both of them. And that's an image that I'll never forget. And that um, kind of sets the stage for what kind of guests we have with him. Uh, next, if you have any social presence whatsoever in the functional fitness, community fitness, CrossFit world, you follow Make Wads Great Again. And if you don't, then you need to. Um, John is the brains behind that account and the mastery, uh, which I'll get into in a minute, of, of using that account as a platform uh, for communication. And on top of that, John has a podcast um, that's phenomenal. It make pods great again. Am I saying that correctly? Yep. John? Spot yeah. On. And um, I love it. I love listening to it. And so I would highly encourage that you find both of them. And his perspective is really critical to this conversation and being able to talk about uh, platforms during tough conversations and things of that nature. And then um, maybe only for a brief moment, we have Matt Chan. And Matt is on duty right now at uh, the fire department and may have to disappear because that's the life of a firefighter. But Matt comes to us both from growing up in uh, more diverse cities than our little boon, North Carolina, and working in a major city from the fire department standpoint. But Matt's also uh, four top 10 finishes, Matt, in the CrossFit game. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, I finished 250,000th in the open one time. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, uh, Matt's been on seminar staff for a number of years. And, uh, for, for our members listening to this, you know, Matt, as the infamous warm up that I've made you do every day during quarantine with the Jacks and the Jills. So mm. they may or may not be excited to hear from you, Matt. Uh, guys, I'm You're grateful. welcome. You're welcome, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am grateful, grateful that you have found the time to to do this with us. And I think the listeners now understand the great perspective that you're bringing. I want to tell you guys, the the guests, or just a, a quick rundown of, of my story. Um, I am the majority owner of this little micro gym in Boone, North Carolina. Uh, we've carried a CrossFit affiliation for right at four years. Um, I'm 36 years old. I'm white. I was a PhD student who paid for very little of my education because I have two hardworking parents, a um, nurse and a firefighter. And then I was a task force officer in Charlotte and the police department paid for most of the rest of my education. And I found CrossFit in 2013 after I sustained a back injury during a gang operation. Um, and I've never actually been in a, a member of a CrossFit affiliate other than this one that I own. Um, but I will tell you without a doubt that the methodology, at least the early on methodology of CrossFit, literally saved my life from that back injury. Um, and what I can tell you is that our listeners are part of a very small white business in a very small white town tucked away in the mountains of North Carolina. 
because of that, we often don't feel the effects of societal occurrences um, firsthand, at least not as great as maybe other places because of where we live. We're kind of insulated. But as I'd like to discuss and point out to the members tonight, the listeners, that's not accurate. And that's every bit of the reason why we should be taking this next step together. And I de-affiliated not because Rich did. Um, I de-affiliated because of Twitch and Allison Hoker. If any of you are familiar with them, uh, they're the popular dancers. And they get on their Instagram account as a family and they dance and it's fun and it's lighthearted and it makes you feel good and all this other stuff. And Saturday night before we de-affiliated, I went to their page and their account and they weren't dancing. They were sitting down. They were sad. They were somber. They were heavy. And it hit me in that moment that this is impacting not only just like society in general, but it's impacting those to whom we look for inspiration. We look for uplifting and encouragement. And I know that's got to be happening here in our town. It's got to be impacting the leaders. And I know there are people in this town that share the negative views and actions and mindset that are plaguing the conversations that we're having right now. And so there are people here being victimized by these same actions. And it's time, in my opinion, to de-affiliate and to start moving forward towards positive change so that our little business and our little town can step between the stones that are being cast back and forth, not just to take them off of people being hit, but to stop the people from having to throw them back on their own accord. Um, I just feel like it's time to step in and, and make that kind of change. So um, that's where we are. And that's, that's who I am. That's who this business is. And that's why I've asked you guys on here today. Um, yeah. So there we go. Uh, so question, my first question for you guys. Um, and I'd like to start with Matt on this question. Um, a, a mutual friend to something I have, uh, Pat, posted a quote yesterday and said, the greatest risk any of us take is to be seen as we really are. And I feel like the word fear, as I was reading through the stuff going on John's account today, I feel like the word fear heavily impacts the, the ability to step forward towards positive change in this situation. Um, and what you did in taking your stand, being like, I'm assuming took quite a bit of consideration and maybe some fear to be able to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, it was a difficult decision to, to, number one, uh, to resign and to go against the company that I've been with for 13 years. Um, anybody that spent any time being passionate about something and working with a group of people that they really love and care for, like truly in your soul, care for people, um, it, it, turning your back on them or even just saying, you know, I'm no longer going to be a part of this is a very, very difficult uh, statement to make because you're afraid of rejection. And, you know, I, I've been dealing with that for a long time because when I stopped competing at the CrossFit Games, I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of losing part of my identity. Um, but seminar staff, it's actually a, a completely different story because although I love competing, I found a purpose in, in helping other people uh, train uh, people in need of help. So in other words, I, I trained, my job was training trainers and, you know, to make a connection with those people and share, uh, the knowledge that I had built as an affiliate owner and as a trainer, 
so that they could train their people better and so that their people could experience more love and have more fun and get into fitness. Uh, I felt like that was my calling to, you know, have an impact on the world. And during that time, the CrossFit headquarters seminar staff were my family and every one of them meant something very, uh, very much to me. Um, so when you say, when you say goodbye to those people through a Instagram post and not through a phone call or through an email or face to face, it's not going to be received well. And I knew that that was going to be the case. And, you know, I received very few notes from people. Um, generally the people that I was very close to, uh, during the time that I worked for CrossFit, uh, headquarters seminar staff, those are the people I talked to and they, they, they reached out, they said, are you okay? Um, you know, they just, they just showed me that they cared. Um, but you know, I was really also worried about how that would be perceived by, uh, the community and w- whether turning your back on the community that you've cared for, for so long during a time of, um, uncertainty, you know, that, that CrossFit is obviously experiencing right now. Uh, if that was going to seem like a chicken, uh, a chicken move or a, a, an easy way out, if you will. And I sat on that for 24 hours after seeing Greg's post. And what that really came down to is w- wanting to be. We lost him. Matt, you still there? Yeah, he might have had to jump on a call. All right, just aren't you there? Yeah, I'm here, man. Looks like, yeah, we may have lost him, but yeah, what's up? He had to go, he had to go. To the point that he was making, and I was... There we go, there's Matt. To the point that, that Matt was making about, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, I got disconnected there. Cool. You you went, not, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go okay. Ahead, Maybe you can edit that out. I'm really sorry about that. Yeah, you good. Um, now I think you should keep it in because, like, Derek didn't know what to do. He was like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll finish. I'll finish that thought quickly. I'm sorry about that. Um, so where I was, what I was saying was that I didn't want to appear like I was turning my back on the community, but I had to make a stand for myself because for a very long time, I've stood by watching um, a fear-based community in, in CrossFit. And that's at the uh, HQ level. Um, I was part of that, you know, where it's, if you, if you did anything that CrossFit, uh, took as a um, as going against CrossFit, you don't get work. You don't get work. You don't get a paycheck. Therefore, you can't provide for your family, or you don't go to the games, or you you don't get media. And honestly, I had to set aside all the ego aside, uh, associated with that um, in order to take a stand against what I believe in. And that what for that time was insensitivity, intolerance and fear. 
and that's and that's what made me make that decision to resign from CrossFit HQ. And it's the same thing that made my wife decide to uh, mm-hmm. resign from CrossFit HQ. And when you were talking with um, on uh, days ago, um, there are a lot of things happened at that point that have obviously come out since. But in that, you told the the person narrative about growing up. Uh, I believe it was with your cousin, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, and that story, that story really hit home with me. Just um, I don't know, just hearing hearing the context and the you had just come out with a knee jerk decision, um, but also obviously with some of the stuff that's coming out now, I feel pretty confident that's not what you did. Also, that you really set some genuine f- and risk in taking that stand. Um, and um i was thinking about it. i was transitioning to, to tucson i lost you um to when you when the the stuff was happening in charlotte um i feel like context to you you know like being and having to worry about what people were going to say and that kind of thing versus doing what you felt like you had to do and i was hoping you talk a little bit about that yeah, man. Good question. And and I'll say one beautiful thing about CrossFit, right, is it takes people who are in the need of something and helps them accomplish anything, whether it's actual competition or just self-esteem mm-hmm. or getting in shape. Right. And so the, the beauty, the, be- the beautiful thing about CrossFit is it really identifies people's real fear or concern or con- or, or issue and, and really draws that out. Um, a lot, while I was listening to Matt speak, you know, I was really hearing you know, what's true for him. I mean, that is, you know, he was making a decision to stand up for what he believed to be right against the peer pressure and the economic, you know, you know, sanctions or problems, right? He, he, he takes the stand, he loses the paycheck, loses the right to participate or loses his circle of friends. And, um, and, and, you know, and people often ask me if I was afraid of losing my job during the 2006 protests, or if I was concerned about losing, um, you know, uh, respect from the community. And the reality is, is I don't have that privilege. I don't have the privilege or the luxury to be able to say, I see people getting shot and killed, not just now, but have been doing it since Dr. King, since Emmett Till, since slavery days. Like this is a system of issues. You know, I need to use my platform or my position to really bring awareness and and make things different. Um, you know, I think you you used the word uh, riots earlier, which, you know, is described as a violent disturbance by a group. Others might use the term protest, right. which is more of a peaceful disturbance by a group. But I've called all of it grievance, right? Grieving. Like people are grieving. No one that I've known in the 20 plus protests that I've been involved in. No one woke up and just went out there and said, I just want to break a window and steal this shirt out of the glass, right? No one's waking up doing that. But what folks are saying is we've been through this system and through these issues for so long and so many times, you know, I'm grieving. And how I'm grieving is the very way, I don't know if you guys are married. I think Matt said he is, you know, and I'm not projecting on Matt's wife or anybody's wife. We've ever, ever been married to somebody who like loses their temper, right? And they take the glass out or the dishes out of the cabinet and break the dishes on the ground or, you know, they're stomping around upset. And it's always accompanied with the words, you're not listening to me, right? You don't hear me. You're not listening. And I think what we're seeing 
are a lot of people who are out here saying you're not listening and you're not and 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 uh and, and you're not paying me any attention and these things continue to happen system like system you're not listening and so all that to say Derek to answer your question you know reason I've been out there and reason why I was never concerned about my job or my well-being or my resources was because I knew that there was a greater need and that was people were suffering people were grieving and they needed a safe place to be able to get that message out but they also needed to take that grievance or that anger to a certain point, because if it went beyond that point, then, you know, other sides stopped listening. And so I don't I don't know if that really makes any sense. But, you know, since 1993, I've been involved in protests um, uh, with the Rodney King situation. And in you know, 99 with Amnu Diallo, I was in Germany when neo-Nazis were marching against, you know, the, the non-neo-Nazis, I guess, whatever they're called. Uh, and, you know, and, and they without an immigrant. I mean, I've been involved in so many of these. And in truth, it's simply because I have a, a privilege. I have an opportunity. I am a lawyer with some success, I guess, to where I can really get into the middle and help both sides find that real place to listen and to speak to each other. Um, and so I, I wonder then, Derek, to the, your question, if it's less personal for me as it might be for Matt and Matt definitely not throwing you under the bus here, but there is some cost to standing up. There is some cost to ourselves and to our family and to even our, 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 our close circles if we stand up. But I guess I just always looked at this. What if I don't stand up? Right. What if I don't make a stance? What if I don't let others help find their voice? You know, what would my legacy be to the comment you made earlier? Will it just be Tucson? had a nice house and a nice car and was a lawyer or could it be that Tucson is simply helping a lot, a few other folks find their voice as we're trying to change this system. So I don't know. I'm not sure if that makes any sense. I kind of went everywhere. I think oh, it's beautiful. Tucson. I, I couldn't agree more with you. This is Matt. And I think that that's, that's something that every person as they mature, they, they begin to, understand themselves better yeah um they understand the world around them better yeah and they also understand their place in the world better and i think that that with, with a with a maturity and an understanding of those things what ends up happening is you you do start thinking of others first rather yeah. than yourself first and that's that's taken me a long time to get to that point and i think a lot of other people are right now going through that same transition phase where it's like, it's so in your face right now yeah. uh, that, that you, you're forced to confront the feelings, the emotions, the hurt, the pain, the fear of, of other people first, that, that uh, you, it's not that you need to take a side, but it's just, you just need to understand. And, and it's difficult. And that's why you hear, you know, so many people are silent right now because when you begin to think of that stuff, when you start to consider other people first, it really does take time to put yourself in that person's shoes and see the world through their lens before you fully understand what they've experienced potentially for their entire lives or even their whole uh, generation, you know, generation after generation of lives. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right, man. And I totally agree with you. I do. I do want to make a distinction that, you know, um, not everyone has the ability, though, to sit back and listen, right? So while, um, just to be honest, middle and upper class white folks, if that's if I could say it that way, 
have the luxury of sitting back and waiting to figure out what's going on. There are still black, brown, and poor white bodies filling our prisons and our streets and, 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 and dying and being you know, consumed in this system. I mean, another you know, black male was shot in Atlanta just a couple hours ago um, by the police. And so you know, while we're trying to sit back and, and digest what's all happening, and granted, there's a lot. It's like drinking out of a fire hose pardon the pun or the, the proverbial statement, but it, 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 it's, it's important that we have to not just take time to, to digest this, but also realize that you're, you are the answer to these problems, right? Let me, let me say it this way if I can, and, and Derek, stop me or Matt or John, uh, stop me, stop, stop me where, where, where you need, but I love going to the movie theaters and I love watching the movies because at the end of the movies, I love sitting in that movie theater watching all the credits run up the screen. I, I'm that guy in the movie theater with my kids. And what I love is the number of, there's like 200 names from like executive producer, director, you know, all these big names, music composer, down to like the camera grip guy who all their names are listed in this movie. And it took all 200 people, you know, over a two to three year period over $5 million, $50 million to make this simple two-hour movie. Like, it always blows my mind. But the reason it blows my mind is, is for this reason. Derek, every time I go to a stop sign or pull up to a stop sign, after I leave the movie theater, get into my car, get my kids in their seatbelts, and then pull up to that first stoplight or that stop sign, you know, I think about that name, those names in the credits, and I have to really begin to ask myself, I wonder who's in my credits, Right. If Tucson's movie, if Tucson's life was a movie, then who is in my credits? Who has helped have played a big major role to help me get me to get me where I am today? Like, you know, my grandmother or my mother or father or my, you know, my siblings or and who's played a minor role? Like, you know, the Starbucks barista who gives me an extra shot of hazelnut. Every time <laughs> I, see it, right? I, I love it. Like, in my credits. But then, Matt, to your point and, and sort of where I'm going with this is I, I have to start re asking myself. Not the question of who's in my credits, but to begin to ask whose credits will I be in? Right on. And I think that's the very essence of legacy. That's the very, as, as, as Derek said earlier, who, whose credits will I be in? And that requires me to, to, to be active, to get out there, whether it's a major role whether it's a very, very minor one. And that's the reason that I reached out directly to Matt, uh, cold, cold call. Obviously, somebody like his his status, I don't just pick up the phone and call him. Um, but I heard him say in, in the podcast with Marquez and, those, and Woodland, Matt, you said um, you, had, you said something to the effect of, it's time for me to be willing to make a stand. I refuse to associate and... I'm more so I, I have to be willing to make a stand. And I think that's exactly why this podcast is what it is and why you guys are on here is because to our members, to those of us that do have the, the privilege of sitting back and kind of watching to see what happens, it's time for us to start being active on behalf of other people, um, standing up for people who have been standing up for themselves for a long time now um, and, and to get involved in that, to be part of the too. So um, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, I, I've been reading through the comments on your stuff and people are, people are really showing some emotion, uh, both ways on memes, memes, like, you know, so it's something that seems so simple as memes, but even more so I, 
John's been jumping on and doing live calls, um, live streaming calls several nights in a row now and just fielding questions. And they are emotional questions and conversations. And he's just been navigating through them. And it's been pretty amazing. Um, but John, going through all that you've been doing through the the page and the podcast and the live calls and everything like that, you've talked to uh, like Adrian Conway, for example. And then I'm sure you've seen Josh Bridges' statement. And then Sherwood was out and now he's not out. And, you know, like this back and forth kind of thing. And it seems like there's a big thing. I heard it in, in the comments a second ago about picking sides. And that you, you either, you're either in or you're out and you're picking a side or you're not. Um, and there's been some good being against Glassman versus against CrossFit, giving the guy a chance, waiting, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm hoping you can talk a little bit to, to that effect about uh, maybe start with Adrian's perspective and then just some of those conversations you've been having. Yeah, um, Adrian's perspective was really interesting actually i had uh easy muhammad and uh adrian conway and mark juan jones all on kind of back to back to back and it was it was fun having them because they all have wildly different perspectives on everything you know from you know the george floyd murder to you know kind of where we are today their feelings on you know crossfit headquarters and and i'm not surprised by that I, you know i wanted my audience to hear that um you know, to hear that you're allowed to have, you know, different opinions, you know, in the African-American community, let alone just CrossFit as a whole. I think that's healthy for everyone to understand that, you know, we're, we're all going to have, um, you know, kind of unique feelings on it. So that's, you know, partly why I haven't really taken a side, like I viewed my whole role in this to ask questions and, and bluntly, like I'm learning more than I want to learn if I'm being honest. Um, you know, just about human nature and people and, you know, kind of the state of CrossFit. Um, people certainly are emotional. You've got, you know, the one side where people are, you know, firmly in camp that they don't want to leave CrossFit. And, you know, every time you even blink wrong, you know, you know, asking a question about what could be changed, they're shout, trying to shout you down. I, I view those people as the status quo. Those are the, those are the same people that when I, I started on this, actually, prior to the news coming out on Greg, I did just at a simple post that said CrossFit has a, a diversity problem, you know, right after George Floyd was murdered. Um, you know, I didn't want to wade into the, the social politics of what happened with that. But I, you know, I can impact my local community. And, you know, I look around every gym I've been in and everybody in there looks just like me. And that's OK. You know, it doesn't make us racist to say that CrossFit gyms are predominantly white, but it does mean that, you know, we're missing out on a rich experience by adding, um, you know, other people to our mix. And that doesn't necessarily even, you know, mean black and white. That means adaptive. It means, you know, gay. It means, you know, Latino is a hundred different things it can mean. Well, like within seconds of posting it, I, I lost probably 2000 followers first three days which isn't a big deal, but it was certainly an indicator that, you know, it hit a nerve and it was the dozens and dozens of, uh, DMS I got from people that were just, you know, hate speech, just, you know, everything from go back to doing memes to shut your mouth to, you know, some really horrible things I would never say out loud. And, you know, it was really kind of startling to me. And then I, you know, there's a little part of me who wants to send Glassman a thank you card because, you know, then he opened his big mouth and vindicated me. <laughs> um, you know, so thanks, Craig. Um, 
And, you know, then all of a sudden it was kind of off to the races, you know? And so, so I viewed my role in all this to ask questions. And like the biggest question I've asked that hit the rawest nerve that was really interesting to me um, was right after Dave was named CEO. And I, you know, admittedly, I don't know Dave. I've met him once. I know people that know him and everybody that I know that knows him likes him. Um, I was in the room with him one time for a workout. He kicked my butt on a trail run he's a really good coach. That's kind of my extent of knowing him other than, you know, I cursed his name during the open. Yep. Um, <laughs> as, as everyone does. So, uh, you know, when he was named CEO, you know, I looked at the situation. I've been in corporate America for God, 20 years. I'm a executive vice president for a bank. So I've seen CEOs come and go hand over fist. And, and so I just, I did a meme with a picture of Glassman's name on one side and Castro's on the other. And the caption said, this is the same picture asking the question, mm -hmm. what's going to be different under Castro than mm -hmm. under Glassman? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's basically been groomed by class Glassman to some degree. He's held a very big job within HQ. He's an insider. He, you know, he's seen everything that Greg has done over the last decade. What's going to be different. And that's not a slam on, on Castro at all. It's just asking the question, will he be different? And if he is, what will it be? Well, man, you would have thought I used the Lord's name in vain and called his mother something because <laughs> I got lit up over that, you know, how dare I say that Greg, you know, is the same as Castro. And I still want the answer to that question, by the way, I do, you know, I want to know what's going to be different. Are they going to, you know, they've been notoriously not very transparent for the last 10 years. And, um, you know, even through like the initial phases of what's been going on in the last couple of weeks, like, you know, can't seem to navigate how to, you know, uh, address the diverse community. Um, and they're starting to get it a little bit, but, you know, so that's been my role. Ask the question, you know, and, and people are certainly getting fired up and, <laughs> and rowdy about it. The part that's really kind of broken my heart are the, the people that are taking their hardline stance. I've had, you know, I've heard from uh, affiliate owners where members are going in their gym and saying, if you don't de-affiliate, I'm leaving and I'm taking a group of people with me as if it's their place to tell them how to run their business, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, affiliate owners really struggling with whether they should or shouldn't. And, you know, then there's more information coming out. It's just, you know, it's just a big mess. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm trying to straddle that line of, <laughs> of bringing some levity and humor and some joy to people's lives but there's also the other side of me that like, I want to fix this diversity problem and keep asking those questions. And there's a lot of things that, that we need to do as a community to fix it. And but, like, I'll, this is going to sound radical to most CrossFitters. I don't think it'll sound radical to the African-American community. This is not a black problem. This is a white problem. That's mm -hmm. why it's such a big deal in CrossFit because we're mostly white and we can't see the forest for the trees. Like, if we're going to fix this, we have to fix it. It isn't as simple as going, well, if African-Americans liked CrossFit, they'd show up. That's not true. You know, as I, I know I'm getting on a rant here, but this is kind of really, no, it's good. this is a, this is a really good. funny thing I saw this week. I, you know, I keep getting shot down by people and they go, well, what about the NHL? What about NASCAR? What about, you know, and they start naming these, you know, what about golf? Those are the three they keep naming, you know, no one's calling them racist. You know, I'm like, okay, let me do some research. Cause I'm not calling CrossFit racist. I'm just saying, you know, lack of anything other than white people. So all three of those professional sports, all three did a blackout Tuesday. All three mm. have diverse 
programs within their organization to bring in internships and promote diverse candidates within their business. You know what CrossFit gave us on Blackout Tuesday? Beef and broccoli recipe. Yep. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> you know, like you just can't make it up. When NASCAR has a better diversity program than CrossFit, there's a problem. I grew up in the South. I mean, I'm the deep South, Mississippi. So trust me, like, you know, the fact that NASCAR is now banning Confederate flags and has a diversity program is just, it, yeah, it's, it's a huge deal and it's great. I'm praising them for it, you know, not making fun of them, but historically they have not been very kind to the African-American community, you know? And so you look at that and go, man, if NASCAR can get there first, what the hell, man? Like right. you would think we could come together and say, Hey, <laughs> you know, let's, let, let's, let's address it. And there's a lot of way, you know, I have a ton of ideas how we could address it, but it's going to take Dave and, and the group at headquarters of locking arms and saying, okay, we're going to make this a priority. And that's what I'm waiting for. Like, you know, my personal decision of whether I stay or go is on whether we're willing to change. I don't care the speed. Like we don't have to do it. It doesn't have to all happen by next week, but we have to start moving. And right now we're not moving. Hey, Derek, can I say something of that yeah. real quick? Cause I really love something that John's hitting on. Um, and, and, and although NASCAR is taking a stance, they have also been getting a lot of pushback though, too. There was actually a black employee who took a knee and he got fired, I guess, uh, you know, and they've banned Confederate flags and some racers, maybe not the top ones have vowed never to race again. But with this idea of people taking a position or a stance, there has, it has to be filled with something else. Um, I guess, so Castro in your meme and the question whether he's going to be the same as, as Greg is such a phenomenal question that really bothers people. But it's very much, in my opinion, like this, I, like, like the guy Buckwheat from Little Rascals. Remember Buckwheat from oh, Little yeah. Rascals? Like, I mean, you know, he w was diverse and inclusion, right? And diversity and inclusion with the little gang. I mean, he was black or Buckwheat was black. You know, and, and, and fit into the group very well. But let me ask you guys a question. Was Buckwheat a male or female? I believe he's a male. Well, if it... No. No. <laughs> Buckwheat, the character started off as a female, hence the, you know, pigtails with the bows and the blouse on. And then that female became a male, but was also a female, and it was back and forth. And so let me ask you this other question. What did Buckwheat ever say on that TV show? Do you guys know? Yeah, he said Ote. Yeah, right. That's it. That's it. And so to, to John's point about diversity and inclusion, are we simply getting people that are just like the rest of us in CrossFit? It might happen to have a different skin color or a different gender or a different orientation. But we don't really know who they are deep down and inside. Are we always having buckwheat candidates come in and run things like status quo? And I think if we're really going to get diversity and inclusion, then we have to look beyond the Buckwheat candidate. Like, let's really have some people come in who will create that diversity, like the black dude at NASCAR who took a knee during the, you know, the Pledge of Allegiance. Like, that's real diversity, y'all. That's going to cause a lot of waves and a lot of heat. And, and what about the others? And so I don't want us just to bring folks in that look different. But it has to be also what's in their minds and their thoughts, but also what's in them in, in themselves deeply. Like, who are they and how can we bring all that together to make us a much richer organization? Well, and I think to that point, you know, like the, the biggest thing that I've 
uh, or that I'm about to kind of move the podcast and even the meme page into discussing is we have to get leadership. Like not only do you need, you know, someone on a potential board of directors, but I think we need to be incentivizing ownership and coaching, mm-hmm. you know, and, and mm-hmm. I was talking to Adrian about this and he called it scholarships. And I thought that was a really kind of a tremendous idea of seeing, you know, we're going to take the best candidates and give them scholarships for the L ones. And you can, you know, you could do the same thing for ownership. You know, you get an owner, you know, running the business that's diverse. And then someone who comes in the door, even if the, every other member is Caucasian, when the owner isn't, it changes the dynamic for that person coming in the door. And, and it definitely yeah. changes their comfort level. And I think that's the, you know, the biggest thing keeping people out of our gyms is that comfort level. Like you'll never convince me that there's any group of people that doesn't want to be fit. Like everyone I talk to everywhere goes, Oh, I wish I could do what you do, you know? And I'm sure they do that to you guys too. Um, You know, but they, but it takes comfort for them to do what we do. Yeah. That's brilliant, man. That's the level of thinking that would change. Bring some black folks in and say, you get to run this even, and I'll take a step further as a former public defender, bring some people in who have criminal records and they can't get a job anywhere else. And you're to say to them, I'll make you the owner of this. You would have the most committed, dedicated employee owner ever because they can't get a job anywhere else. And they're going to be so committed to this work that not only do they change their whole family, I know this may be a radical idea, but they'd be so well, they'd be, they'd work so hard to, to, to do that. Look, I'll say we're doing this right now. The uh, Carolina Panthers and I are working to take thousands of people across North and South Carolina we're going to bring in the Panther Stadium. We're going to expunge their criminal records if they qualify. And then we're bringing in vendors, the Bank of America vendors like Bank of America, other banks, uh, guarding other companies who will be able to hire these folks on the spot. Because statistically, those are the people that will never mess up at work because they know how hard it is to be without work. And yet we know with the war on drugs versus the crisis that we have with the opiate crisis, when, when we have the war on drugs, we're basically punishing poor black, brown, and white folks, but we're treating white middle class, middle class and white, uh, upper class white folks. So we're criminalizing one, we're treating others, and so one have criminal records, the other don't, but all of them use drugs, and all of them are in corporate America. What if we were to create an opportunity to allow folks like that who have criminal records or who are black or brown or whatever to, to have ownership? Man, you would see a big change, not just in the upward mobility of those families in our economy, but also in the interpersonal relationships uh, uh, in groups that may not otherwise have ever intercommingled or intermingled, commingled. Sorry, man. I We're seeing that already um, through CrossFit, which I'll touch on in just a second, but look at the atmosphere of the female presence in CrossFit gyms. Um, and then, you know, along the way, owners, female owners, um, I think there's a, a lot to what John's saying, what to saying. Um, but Matt, I have a question for you about that. Um, a lot of the people that have been on John's platforms and then on others I've been listening to have been saying that they've been like throwing the stone back at people like myself who de-affiliated saying, how can you, how can you expect to enact change if you've turned your back on, if you're not a part of it anymore, if we've de-affiliated, like you resigned, how can you expect to see a change in CrossFit. Um, do you think that's true? Do you think us leaving discounts us from being a part of growth? No, no, actually I think, uh, 
I think leaving the affiliate program is actually um, very similar to what I did by resigning from CrossFit. It's it's taking a stand on a uh, current state of affairs that you're no longer willing to uh, associate yourself with. And I think that that's what needed to be done in order to get the attention of the community and of Greg Glassman. And I applaud those people who were brave enough to remove CrossFit from their name because just like myself, that's what they identify their businesses as, is CrossFit facilities. And when you take that name off the front half of whatever the facility name is, you're now left with just a fitness facility. And though your though your community that you've established knows what you offer, the other people who are new to the area or are looking for a fitness program do not know what you offer. And that that puts a barrier uh, to marketing and and all those different barriers that are now back up that they weren't up before. So I think it is the right move. And there's nothing to say that you can't, like Pat Sherwood, uh, reaffiliate if there are the changes made that you are happy with. And I think if you want to make a change in CrossFit HQ, you have to hit CrossFit mm-hmm. HQ in the pocket. And I'm saying this just as a fact. I'm not saying it as something that I advise. But the affiliate model and the uh, seminars are the number one way that people can make an impact on the CrossFit uh, company because that's where they make their money. They don't make money in the CrossFit games. They don't make money in uh, you know these these smaller parts of the business. They make money with the seminars, their education side, the training side, and with the affiliate program. And if if people want to see a change. They devalue the company. That's the best way to do it. They stop putting money in the pockets of Greg Glassman and devalue the company until, you know, either a venture capitalist that is uh, uh, already part of the community wants to purchase it, uh, or somehow it becomes a co-op that each of the affiliate owners uh, can buy into. And, you know, those those are the things that need to happen to make change, to affect change. But I, what I really think needs to happen is what you guys are doing right now, which is talking about it and, and not just bitching about what the problems are, but what the solution is going to be. And I think right now, the, the people that you see that are outspoken, that are receiving the most grief for their stance on you know, either side of the line that they're taking, what those people are doing is they're they're stating how they feel and they're putting themselves out there and that's a really dangerous place because um you're going to be judged one way or another and you're going to you're going to receive hate as much as you're going to receive praise and the fact that those people are willing to do that it makes it gives people thought it gives them pause to think about the statements that you're uh, that that person's making and consideration and whether they agree it or, or, or not you know that's that remains to be seen but just saying what the problems are is not helping anyone and it's not fixing yeah, anything. For so sure. I, th- I think the, the solution um, based thought process is, is where everybody needs to go. All right, we get it. They, they are, they have terrible leadership and Greg is the, is the kind of lifeblood of that. Cut him off. What's the, what's the solution now? Right. And to that point, so my my last question, I was kind of saving. You couldn't have set me up any better for it. Um, obviously, we didn't have 
we mean in the affiliate owners didn't have some of the information that we have now when we made our decision and our members, our community didn't have even as much information as, as we, um, but they, they trust us and they look to us to lead them. And I've been told many times over the years that the only true measurement of a good leader is the number of good leaders that they raise up. You know, whether you're talking about a star Wars model or you're talking about the book about level five leadership, if I'm going to truly say that I was an effective leader, then I want to see how many people are out in the world leading effectively. Right. And so this to me at first, like me deaffiliating, if it hadn't been for the other 1500, 1200, whatever, I would have never reached the desk of Greg Glassman. Let's just be real about that. Um, but my members would have known it. They would have known that there was a stand. Our community would have. Now let's, let's go ahead and, draw attention to the podcast from Andy the other day. And I won't even go any further into it other than the information that he decided to put out raises some, some new eyebrows. Right. Um, and our community is pretty heavily female leadership, pretty heavily female. We're already kind of at odds with whatever's going on at the corporate level with it, with CrossFit. And now, we're hearing the, the way women are treated. And again, it's as far as I'm concerned, uh, the lawyer will get me on this one is hearsay. So I have to leave it at that. But I recognize at this point that I've got to stand up for something. And so if, if I don't have the ear of Glassman and HQ, whose ear do I have? And that's this little town and this little gym and who I would like to think are all current and or future leaders in their own respect. Right. So my question to each of you three guys from your unique perspective, your unique platform is what advice can you give to people? of Why boom? Why rev five fitness? Why member a member 150? Why should they care? And why should they be willing to step out of the fear and the potential backlash to start taking a stand for something that like two said, we kind of have the privilege of sitting back and watching play out. Why should we? And that's my question for each of you guys. It's a good question, man. Heavy question. Um, I'll let Matt go first. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, you know, number one, I think it takes, I'll, I'll take it from the uh, the member uh, or the subscriber or whatever you want to call the person that's attending the facility. I'll take it from their perspective. And, you know, we've all been in that position where we are nervous to get started, um, where we have fear to join or fear of rejection or looking silly. And what these people did was they stepped up to that moment and they faced it with with a with a proud courage that um that if they've been around for a while they continue to face that on a daily basis because our workouts are hard because our uh you know our, our challenges that we give them are difficult and they're going to be better people moving forward because of exercise and i know that's as silly as it is it's affected me through all walks of my life, uh, from everywhere, from having courage on the fire ground 
to knowing what I'm capable of uh, in a fire or during uh, a climbing route or uh, mountain biking. You know, I, I, I have courage in places where I didn't before. And I think, I think that that can extend itself into even mindset where now I have the courage to stand up for myself and to stand up for my friends and to stand up for people I don't know. And I'm willing to let my voice carry to hopefully an audience that maybe wouldn't have listened before. Um, But if you stand confidently and speak with a loud voice and you care about the people that you're speaking to and you listen as much as you talk, people are going to listen and they're going to, at the very least, consider what it is you have to say. And I feel like being a member of a CrossFit facility or non-CrossFit facility that trains using our methods is the beginning of that journey for me. And I hope it is for a lot of other people. So good. Yeah, it is. John, what do you think? Uh, again, I could probably rant here. Um, these are the most disposable dollars that anybody spends. I mean, they just are like, you'll quit your CrossFit gym before you'll cancel your, your cable or most people will, I wouldn't, but most people would. <laughs> um, and so I think, so if you're going to spend that money, you want to be proud of where you are. Right. That's kind of my point. I think Matt's right on the money. Like, you know, there's something about, uh, you know, belonging to a community and investing time and effort into fitness that, that changes you physically, emotionally, spiritually, like it, it changes all parts of you, but you also have to be proud of what you do. And so I think that decision to affiliate or unaffiliate, um, and if you're going to stand with your gym during that, it really boils down to a few things for me, uh, and really kind of what I want to see CrossFit do long-term. Like I completely understand why gyms are leaving. I can, would completely understand when and if gyms come back, if CrossFit invests deeply into a diversity program, if they invest deeply into uh, an HR program for the affiliates that addresses sexual harassment, to my knowledge, that's not taught in the level one. I could be wrong, but I don't don't, remember it. Yeah, I don't think it is. Um, You know, and those are just two areas. You know, this is a, you know, name another business model that doesn't do that. You know, CrossFit's claim to fame forever has been, we have the lowest entry point into ownership of any franchise on the planet. And I applaud them for that because that does help a lot of people own a business that would never own a business otherwise, but it also puts them in harm's way. When you think of like, I mean, I could give you a hundred stories over my, you know, nine years or so of CrossFitting of horrible things said and done in CrossFit gyms across all lines and coaches just turning a blind eye to it because they've, they've had no HR training. You know, this isn't corporate America. It's just a gym without realizing it is corporate America. This is an incorporated business. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to treat people better than this. And so I think it starts at the top. I think we need to see HQ, you know, invest serious time and resources into this. It won't happen overnight. It'll take a series of years for them to get it right, but they need to start today and, and it needs to be deliberate. They need to ask advice from the affiliate owners. Um, they need to put a board of directors in place to uh, keep um, keep the CEO from having unchecked power, which bluntly is the how all this came to be. <laughs> if we're being honest, like right. you give somebody unlimited power and unlimited resources, they're going to do whatever they want. I don't care who you are, you know. Um, 
So, you know, I think it can be done for me. It's just, you know, really about being proud of where you are and who you're with. And if I could give advice, you know, kind of one last piece of advice, it would just be, you know, make sure wherever you're going, you feel great about your owners and the people they are like my gym is not unaffiliated. I'm with the, the Panchex, literally the most moral upstanding family I've ever met. And, and it, like you would have to pry me out of there with a, a pry bar because I know them to be the people they are. And I think the affiliates that are doing that will be just fine. That's a big comparison right there, because I would like to think that our members feel the same about me and ID affiliated, but I just, just from what little I know about the Panchex, I would think that it's the exact same thing and they made the decision to stay. And that's, that's where I'm at with this. I don't think it's about did you or didn't you? It's about what are you going to do now that you made the statement? You know, how are you going to move forward from there? So good point. All right, too. Why should Boone get involved yeah, in this? So I think really to re-listen to what Matt and John just said, I mean, that's the bottom line. That's how you do it. I agree with them 100%. Like that's the, that's, that's the practice. And maybe if I can offer a little theory or just the, the reasons as to why, in addition to what they've just mentioned, is maybe these three quick points. Number one, there's a quote by Sir Edmund Burke that basically says, all that evil needs to succeed is for good people to do nothing. Mm. All that evil needs to succeed is for good people to do nothing. In the spiritual sense, all that the devil needs to succeed is for God's people to do nothing, right? But going back to all, going back to what John just said, I mean, you if you're a leader in or an owner or a coach in the gym and you hear things that our locker rooms speak that are inappropriate, you can't do nothing, right? That's how evil continues to succeed. You got to be able to do something. So that's point number one. And point number two is simply this. Uh, if you will for me, spell the word leader. How would you spell the word leader? L-E-A-D-E-R. Yeah, that's right. And what are the four most important letters in that word? Lead. Well, that's the word. What are the letters, right? <laughs> L-E-A-D. Because what's what's important, why I want to make this, uh, and it's, it is the word lead, but these four letters are really important because it's about the L-E-A-D, not the L-E-A-D-E-R. Listen, it's not about the noun. It's about the verb. It's not about Tucson who has a title because I'm in an official position. No, it's about what the hell am I doing with my life at this point that can help do good for other people. And if I can L-E-A-D, if I can do the right things, not just be the right thing, if I can do the right things, then the L-E-A-D, that E-R, that E-R that's after the word lead, the E-R will connect me to my ship. You know, that ship that leaves the port carrying precious cargo and helping people all around the world, that, that word, that, that, that ship that helps others. Like when I L-E-A-D, the E-R connects me to my ship. It's the very notion of the idea of leadership. And it starts when I do the right thing. But let me end with this third point and then making and then tying it all together. It's really this, right, Derek? Um, I don't, remember, I don't know if you guys remember the first time you showed up at a CrossFit gym. I do. <laughs> it was Derek's gym. And he whooped my ass. <laughs> and I didn't want to go back. And I didn't want to get up from the ground. But I had to go somewhere because it was early in the morning. Like, And I was hurt, y'all. I was hurt. And I, I couldn't do double-unders. I couldn't do kips. 
He put me on the roll machine. I, my, my back was like split in half. <laughs> I mean, it was. But like, this is coming from a guy who was an NCAA Division One track and field college champion. Like, I was a beast all throughout life with, with, with sports. Now I could barely do this CrossFit thing. But as I saw myself begin to get better and begin to get stronger, I realized, you know, there's something to this. And what if my strength and my improvement is not to compete in the NCAAs or conference championships? What if as CrossFitters, our real purpose is to change the world, right? It's kind of like the Karate Kid, Mr. Miyagi and Danielson. You know, wax on and, and wax off and, and brushing, you know, the, the, the fence up and down. What if CrossFit makes us do all these amazing uh, uh, um, workouts? But what if it's not really just to strengthen that muscle? What if we're really being called to L-E-A-D at a time like this? And what if we are the good people who are showing up to do the good things in the face of evil? Boone, North Carolina is that place. The Appalachian Mountains historically were a place where the Underground Railroad was. That meant slaves from, 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 from where John lived in Alabama, Mississippi, running away from Alabama, Mississippi, and using the Appalachian Trails through Boone to get up north for freedom. What if CrossFit is meant to be the place where we usher in a better and more free tomorrow? I wonder if the Daniel sons and the Daniela sons and all the daughters and sons who are part of CrossFit will use their skills to L-E-A-D so that evil won't succeed like it has. I wonder what if. I'm ready. I'm ready to go do some kind of workout now. I'm fired up. <laughs> I still ain't doing no workouts with you, Derek. I, I I'm not doing workouts with you, but I'll go. I'm okay. <laughs> Guys, um, if is there anything, any last words or anything like that that any of you need to shout out that I didn't ask you? You've been phenomenal. No, I'm I'm good. Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm good too. I just wanna I just wanna you know implore people to be the change. You know, don't 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 be part of the problem. Don't be. Uh, you know, somebody that bitches about the problem, but be the change instead. Stand up for what you believe in. Stand up for what you know is right. Stand up for other people. And your actions speak louder than words sometimes. And I think that's that's what I'm carrying forward with me. And um, I'm trying to understand my place in the world and how I can affect it. And what I perceive uh, is changing quickly. Um you know, my, my lens is, is changing very rapidly. And it's, it's, a quite, it's actually a very good feeling to, to see the world differently. Amen. I second that. Yeah, absolutely. I would simply say one thing, uh, uh, Derek, that I want CrossFitters and for you all in using your platform is to realize you're not alone and to be intentional about doing this together. There's a book called Try by Sebastian Younger which talks about how strong, how, how strong we are in numbers, right? And I would really encourage your, your listeners to go get that book and then figure out how CrossFitters can do it together. But be intentional about being the change together because that's, that's where the real power is. I love it. Whether it's combating this um, current social injustice the degradation of women that we're seeing 
Um, and none of that aligns with the Red Five way. And I said that we were going to begin the journey, that I didn't know what the journey looked like or even how to do it, but that we were going to step. And just like all these guys have pointed out, that's what we've learned through these workouts is that um, if we know if we just keep falling down and jumping back up, that we can make progress. And that's what I intend to do through leading this thing. The Red Five way is that we're going to continue to take one step after the other and that we're going to work towards spurring actual positive change. We're not just going to talk about it. We're not going to take a budget cut of $3,000 a year and call that making a change. We're going to do something with it. And so I hope you understand, listeners, that the caliber of the guests that are on here today is pretty unprecedented for us. And that's how serious we all are about walking out this journey. So, gentlemen, thank you for taking the time out of your day. Yeah. If we can ever do anything for you here in Boone, you have a home. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. I'm enjoying watching you. And we're cheering for you. Matt, John, it was a pleasure Great. being Thanks, here. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Back at you, guys.